I really believe in the power of positivity. And through this, you can be transformative. And if you maintain this mindset, you are thinking about happy thoughts, good things in your life, and you're stepping away from negativity, then you will manifest a positive attitude towards other people. But when does positivity become toxic? As in noxious, poisonous. Good day to you guys. I'm Greg Dumlao and I'm an educator. I'm an English instructor. I'm a writer. Podcasting is pretty challenging for me. I didn't want to be heard before. I didn't want other people to know how I think and how I perceive the world. And before, I, when I was still wet behind the ears, I was so shy to speak in front of the crowd. And I think it's normal for a kid like me. I'm not into speaking before. I thought that speaking is not for me since teaching involves a lot of exposure in public speaking. I dodged the bullet and now I can say that I am playing my cards right. I created this podcast to navigate our minds towards revolutionary outlook. We will try to get rid of the culture of seeing life as a representation of a perfect, perfect picture. We will start a new tradition of seeing life as symbols of conquered fears, climbed mountains, cured societal diseases, and succeeded ambitions. Welcome to the first episode of Quick-Witted Podcast with Greg Dumlao. We will be talking about toxic positivity. And we all know that the COVID-19 has radiated a harsh glare on the vulnerabilities of the global community. How does toxic positivity affect us to cope with the crisis? I have a story of someone who is about to jump of a 200-meter tall building. He was down in the dumps at that moment. He had nobody. He had no one left for him. Not even a penny in his pocket. When I heard the story, I was, I asked myself, why did he choose to be drowning in trouble by himself? He was just going south if he continued jumping from that 200 meter tall building. I was sitting on the floor as I was listening to the story. While he was on the cliff, he cried his eyes out and suddenly sat. And then 10 minutes later, or maybe 15, I don't know, someone noticed him and started calling the cops. And I remembered myself being asked by my friend who told me that story. What are you going to do if you encounter this kind of scenario? Like, while you're just rambling around, then suddenly you'll see something like that. And I immediately answered him. The first thing I'm going to do is I will look for a big cardboard and a marker. And I will write either, be positive, you will surely overcome that. Or take those negative stuff away from you. Death is not an option. That's what I would do. I probably said that with, with bragging bearing. You know, I know what I'm doing. 
I'm proud. What happened next was when the cops already got there. They're afraid to get close to that man. And as everybody knows, jumping from that building is considered as one of the little methods of committing suicide. And I'm curious about what's inside the mind of a suicide jumper that time. And for you to know what are the signs of suicidal behavior and how will you recognize those signs, I will mention a few of those. But let me warn you, uh, these things that I'm about to mention can be triggering to many people out there, so you may skip a few seconds. Of course, first and foremost, extreme sadness. You would never know what happened or you would never know what that person is going through because they are afraid to speak up. Second one is withdrawal. I had a friend way, way back in college who always chose to be alone. I don't know why, but he or she... By the way, I don't want to use pronoun nor mention the gender neither. That friend of mine was really avoiding friends and social interactions and it affected his or her well-being, like grades, like academic performance in general. Aside from that, of course, aside from extreme sadness and withdrawal, of course, having self-harmful behavior, life crises, and even mentioning about suicidal thoughts, those are just few signs of suicidal. By the way, let's get back to the story. After I spoke briefly about my thoughts on the possible thing that I would do, my friend immediately responded to me. He said, you know, you know what? You will actually murder that person. You will actually kill that person. Then I replied, how? How will I kill that fucking person? I replied immediately. Then he said, that's how dangerous toxic positivity is. The moment I heard that from him, I got you, boy. I instantly got his point. I instantly hit the nail on the head. You know what? Toxic positivity is pretentious. It will never take away all the negatives being on certain experience. And it is actually a belief that if something bad happened, even those that are profoundly tragic or if you're going through something, positivity is always the solution. That's the belief. And it's time to ditch that. Historically, like when you read books or even articles on the cyberspace, having positive mindset can actually help improving your mental state or mental stability. But of course, in reality, toxic positivity is dangerous. Dangerous in a way that it's counterproductive and it's time to ditch that belief and it's okay to not be okay. In the midst of this crisis and widespread societal or social agitation, we're looking for best possible ways to escape reality. Whenever we have this commotion, it might be that our brains are sending us messages. We're being prompted that it's time to step away and indulge yourself with love and self-care. And these days, it can, it can feel as if comforting words or encouraging platitudes are unavoidable. It's unavoidable in a way that if we post something... Someone will comment that you have to stay positive, you have to stay composed, you have to stay calm. It's just a problem. It will just pass in time. 
So I'm going to mention some instead of sayings and say. So instead of saying, think positive thoughts, you have to say, life can get really tough. I am here for you. I am supporting you. This overgeneralizes optimistic state and is invalidating the real human experience. So during college, I was about to get a tattoo. That's initial plan. Then I got curious about the process, how I stencil the design on, on my skin. And I watched some testimonies on YouTube and they said the first time they got a tattoo was quite painful. Then I responded, what? I don't want to get a tattoo. I even commented in that video, no way on earth I'm going to get a tattoo. They really showed tattooing involves repeatedly pursing over a skin's top layer with a needle covered with tint or a pigment. I don't know what they call it. But during that time, I really want to get a tattoo. I really want to get one because for me, tattoos are made for fashion and this and aesthetic purposes. That's a tattoo for me. My classmate told me, it's painless. You can tolerate the pain level. That response from my friend did really push me to get one. But if I were him, I would say, you know what? It is painful. It is painful. Tattoos hurt so much, but once you get one, it is worth the pain. It's worth all the pain. If he said that, maybe I'll change my mind and get one. It's like toxic positivity that you're disproving what is real and authenticity of the world and it will never be the solution. This one is so cliche. When you see someone failing, we will always say, if I can do it, you can, you can do it too. You can also do it. If I'm capable of doing this thing, you're also capable of doing that. And this has been our go-to motivational statement. I admit that. But in reality, it's the other way around. Instead of saying that, we have to say, we are diverse, we have our own intelligence, we can be good at this, but your friend or a family member is not blessed with that potential or talent that you possess. And it's okay to fail at things we're not good at, or even at things we are really good at. There were lots of things bothering me when this pandemic started. Some of my relatives tested positive. I didn't know what to do. I, it really disturbed my mental state. And anxiety and depression have also been linked to this pandemic. I had so many sleep disturbances to the point that I don't want to talk to anybody. I am alone. Good thing our anxiety, our anxiety is really helping us coping and observing physical distancing, wearing face masks, and befriending alcohol wherever we go. That's the benefit or that's the advantage of having a little bit of anxiety. But what are the things I do in order to manage anxiety? Okay, what I do is I effortfully prevent contagion and I also schedule time when I can be social media free and shift my focus on the things that make me productive. I'm also engaging my attention in usual daily activities and thank God I overcame it and I've been receiving love and support from my family, not just from my family, but also students and faculty. Okay, so let's have the third one. I'm really annoyed when someone tells me this. I'm really annoyed. It will all be fine. Just relax and always look at the bright side. Negativities can also be a sign or let's say a signal of warning. 
just like when you're having headaches, the first thing that you would do is to look for remedies. Toxic positivity is like when your body's sending signs or symptoms that you might be ignoring. And we shouldn't ignore those signs for the reason that it may lead to a more complicated condition. Stepping away from uh, negativities like that. The more you avoid and ignore the problem, the more it becomes difficult to resolve or find for a concrete solution. And there is nothing wrong with being positive, but you have to make sure that it's all real. You have to make sure that it's all real. If you don't want to see the darkness, you wouldn't see the stars. You have to take note of that. If you don't want to see the darkness, you wouldn't see the stars. It's also like when you're not answering your mojos. Mojos are giving us stress, right? Why would I answer that? Why would I comply to the requirements? I will just let myself be happy playing mobile games, watching Netflix. And you know what? Those forms of happiness are just temporary. The real problem is you will fail the subject because you chose to step away from the obligation, which is to recognize and acknowledge the real problem and situation. It will just become elephant in the room, and that's toxicity. According to Sigmund Freud, many psychological maladies are due to emotional inhibition in the forms of repression and denial. Toxic positivity requires bottling up feelings and emotional dysregulation. So number four, don't focus on and talk about what's wrong. Just forget it and get rid of negativity. Good thing about me is I select the best people. I vent my feelings and my problems too. And I'm making sure that those people are also choosing me whenever they are going through something. As I have said earlier, these platitudes are unavoidable and we need to filter the things they might say. And according to signsofpeople.com, 67% said they experienced toxic positivity from someone in the past week. And it's not surprising for me. We've been encountering the toxicity that not just in real life situations, but also in cyberspace. Now let's talk about how toxic positivity could be hurting your relationship. The belief that no matter how bad a certain situation is or maybe it is deprecatory to always step away from negativity and just focus on staying positive and upbeat. Instead of utilizing false reassurance that declines to welcome real problems happening in a relationship, we should accept the real issues that is attached to its emotional well-being. And a healthy relationship makes you welcome all the things that you must go through. That's the fact. No relationship is unflawed or is perfect. If you feel that you are in a relationship where toxicity is starting to emerge, you have to start assessing your partner. If he or she makes you feel drained, exhausted, or even devastated. And the moment you feel that way, you have to step away from that relationship. It's toxicity. I'm going to mention some tips what not to say to your friend who is grieving and who is distraught. First thing that you would do, welcome all forms of emotions. If you don't want to... 
if you don't want to talk to that person, don't say anything. Like, leave them there. Don't try to use consolatory platitudes or phrases that we tend to tell them whenever we don't know what to say. If your friend is grieving or is going through a difficult time, be honest at least. Listen to them with empathy. We listen because we understand each other. And that's the main purpose of listening. Understanding. All you have to do is just sit next to them and keep them company. How can I help you? I'm here if you want to talk. It's okay not to not be okay. And last tip I'm gonna give you is I is always ask compassionate questions. Ask the person what it's like for them. Don't ever try to fix the issue. And let them face it because at the end of the day, life is about learning from both good and bad experiences. It's very hard to maintain happiness and positivity, but only what makes us strong is validating our painful emotions. And that will be the sign that we need to give ourselves permission to welcome all forms of rejections. Not just rejections, but also grief, sorrow, sad, so that we can grow more.